0: Good morning. Today's Old Testament reading is Jeremiah 31, verses 27 to 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, So I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, The parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive them their iniquity and remember their sin no more.
1: Both Jeremiah's text and the gospel text from Luke are illustrated by the picture on the front of your cover. Don't give up. Hear then this parable told by Jesus to his disciples in chapter 18. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. And may indeed the promises you have for us be written on our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Something interesting happened last week when we read this text with the new, next week's sermon Bible study. We couldn't help but chuckle, all of us. It was easy to do because of the details that Jesus includes But grinning or chuckling is not something that many people do when they read about Jesus or read his words. We're often very solemn instead. And being solemn is important. We are talking about the Son of God, after all, and Jesus has some important things to say. But I think sometimes we lose in translation Jesus' appeal, his sense of humor, his winsomeness. I mean, think about it. How interested are you in spending lots and lots of time with people who are always serious? Even if they have something important to say. The fact is that crowds always follow Jesus. Disciples, indeed, stayed with him and never left his side. Until the end at the cross, I don't think that he was a stand-up comedian or anything like that, but there was a winsomeness, something about him that drew people near to him. And I think we get a glimpse in this parable Look more, if you look more closely or listen more closely to these, this delight, what someone has called this delightful parable and its two unforgettable characters, what you have is the setting is the city gates of any city of any size. There would be a judge who would sit there to hear disputes, not in some kind of sort of special courtroom, but there at the gates on sort of a raised platform, and people would come to bring their requests for justice to this judge. As you can imagine, has been true in many societies and many ages. Those who had more wealth and power were more likely to be noticed by the judge, more likely to be heard about by the judge. And anyone in that society then who was a widow was at the very bottom of the society, with little money or status, and so largely could be overlooked by a judge. Not this widow, however. She is relentless and persistent in her quest to get justice. Day after day, she comes before this judge only to be ignored. But her relentless persistence finally causes the judge to start to talk to himself, which is usually a bad sign in one of Jesus' parables. He says to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And when you understand the underlying Greek, this is where even if we don't chuckle, you can imagine that Jesus onlookers, lookers, his those listening to him, would have laughed, for. The language used by the judge, the one who has all the power in this equation, is that he's afraid this widow is going to beat him up, leave him with a black eye. Intimidated by the widow, the judge finally gives in, grants her request just to buy himself a little peace and quiet. Before we go any further, remember, though, this is a parable and not an allegory. That's important. Why? Because Jesus is not saying that God is like the judge. Instead, he's using a well-known rhetorical device of his age of going from the lesser to the greater. That is, the lesser, if a corrupt and cynical judge will grant this widow her request, don't you think God will? With that important detail out of the way, We know this widow, don't we? Don't we all ourselves struggle at some time or another with unanswered prayers? Isn't there something that we have sought after and prayed for day after day, month after month, even year after year, and did not seem to get an answer? For all the humor in this parable, Jesus is describing a painful reality, isn't he? We know that God is not corrupt and cynical like the judge, but then, why don't all of our prayers work? Now, there are a number of answers to that question when you think about it. For example, sometimes our prayer is working, we just don't see the results yet, and the results are not coming as fast as we might hope. That is certainly true for the passage that Deb read today from Jeremiah. You see, all before this, Jeremiah has been preaching to expect to be destroyed if you try to make alliances with others, if you try to follow other gods, and indeed that's what's happened. The Babylonians have invaded. They've conquered. They're starting to send people in exile. And just at that precise moment, Jeremiah issues this word of hope. Hope. Because the enemies will be defeated. Because the exile will end. Because God's promises will be written on their hearts, a new covenant. Now it will take time for all this to happen. Indeed, a generation There are consequences at times to the decisions we make. But God makes a promise, and God will keep that promise. The prayers of the people will work, although it will take time. Sometimes our prayers work, but the work is done mostly in us and not so much in God. Sometimes persistence in prayer is important, not so much for how it changes our circumstances, but how it changes us. For example, our prayers can help us to name and clarify our desires and needs. Or, as Frederick Buechner once wrote, persistence in prayer is key, not because you have to beat a path to God's door before God will open it, but until you beat that path, maybe there's no way of getting to your door sometimes perhaps we are being hammered through long days of nights in prayer into a vessel that will be able to hold the water to hold the gifts that god indeed wants to give us of course sometimes our prayers don't work because we're praying for the wrong things i imagine everyone who has been a parent here can think of something that his or her child desperately wanted had to have right then, and that parent did not give it to the child, not because they didn't love them, but because they knew that they really didn't need it. In fact, it wouldn't be good for them. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that I have looked back on that I wanted when I was younger and thought I desperately needed, and I'm so grateful that my parents didn't say yes. Our God is a loving and wise parent and is no different. Before we can fully answer that question, why don't our prayers always work, we have to understand what prayer is and what it's not. Our time with prayer is meant to be more than a child's visit to Santa where we sort of lay out our wish list. Prayer is meant to be a conversation, a relationship with God, where indeed we name our desires but we also name our joys and concerns. We lay before God our gratitude and our doubts, our faith and our fears. Prayer is not just speaking. Prayer is also listening. Listening for those deep words or stirrings in the heart that only come from waiting and silence. Sometimes our prayers don't work because they're too petty, too selfish. But that's not always the case. Sometimes we are praying for important things, and yet there seems to be no answer. That's the case with this widow. She's not praying for a bigger house or a longer life. She is praying for something very basic, indeed, something biblical, justice. She has been wronged by another, somehow cheated, and she wants the judge to set things right. And yet for too long, her pleas have been ignored, and if someone has said, justice delayed is justice denied. Too often that is the case in our time and in our world, and justice is delayed, there was a large gathering of people that had gathered after a particularly heinous act that had occurred in the community. And they couldn't believe they were there again, praying again, and seemingly doing it all over again. And that someone read this parable, and then an elderly black minister stood up and said, gave his one-sentence interpretation, Until you have stood for years knocking at a locked door, your knuckles bleeding, you don't really know what prayer is. Last week, a Philadelphia man, Willie Vesey, was freed from prison after serving 27 years for a crime he did not commit. A judge tossed out his earlier conviction and told the 50-year-old Vesey, in prison for half his life, Now you are a free man." Can you imagine the prayers that he prayed for 27 years? The knocking on the door, and how bloody those knuckles got. Sometimes prayers for justice go unanswered for too long because of human sin, and because too many people are complacent about injustices done to others. Remember, there are two characters in the parable, the widow and the judge. And be careful about, in any of Jesus' parables, only identifying with one. Most of us can easily see ourselves in the widow, but are there times where we might know the judge better than we want to? Is there a time when we may have turned a blind eye or a deaf ear to someone else's injustice? If we always answer God's call to look out for the widows and orphans, that is, those who are poor and vulnerable and at the margins of society. Far from being the last one heard by this judge, according to the Bible, she should have been the first. I don't know if you saw the movie Hotel Rwanda that came out a number of years ago. It told of the horrible times in Rwanda when that African nation descended into what can only be described as a madness of genocide, with the dominant Hutu tribe slaughtering members of the Tutsi minority. This was a rare story of good news in the midst of that, because it told the story of a hotel owner named Paul, who had a last name that was about 28 letters long, and I'm not going to try to butcher it this morning. He was a Hutu. He was a member of the dominant tribe that was doing the killing. His wife was a Tutsi. He took his wife's family in to protect them in his hotel, but he couldn't stop there. He ended up taking more and more people, even at personal risk, somehow finding a way to keeping them safe and fed. He saved 1,200 lives. At one point in the movie, he's heartened when Western reporters show up and finally begin telling the story of what has happened and even capturing some of it on film to show back in television stations in Western Europe and America. He is surprised when a cynical Western reporter expresses doubts that the newscast will have much impact on Western leaders. How can they see this and not intervene, Paul asks. The reporter replies, more likely people will see the footage, say, isn't that horrible, and then go on eating their dinners. That line... It's haunted me ever since I've seen that movie. How have I been indifferent to the suffering of others? How have I been complacent in the face of injustices suffered by others? We can be acutely aware when injustice is done to us. But how aware are we, or what do we do when we see it done to someone else? As one commentator on this text writes, to those who have it in their power to relieve the distress of the widow or the orphan or the stranger, but do not do so. Jesus' call to pray day and night is a command to let God's priorities of compassion become the priorities of our lives. Didn't Jesus say that how we treat the least of these is how we treat Him? May our prayers indeed open our eyes and ears to injustice and help us to see what we can do to see that justice is no longer delayed, no longer denied. A widow and a judge. What is this parable about? That opening verse gives an important clue. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need To pray always and not lose heart. Not to lose heart. Not to give up. You see, Jesus knew then, as Jesus knows now, that there will be times when his disciples pray and pray and pray and don't seem to get an answer even when they are praying for the right things. I know I have felt that way. And I know you have. And Jesus knows that. He wants to remind us in this parable that there is a third character just offstage, God. God. Jesus wants to remind us that faith indeed is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. We keep on knocking. Keep on praying persistently, relentlessly. Keep on keeping on without losing heart. Because we can count on God. We can count on God to be trustworthy and keep God's promises, as God has done and is still doing in and through Jesus Christ. We can count on God who loves us like the most loving and wisest parent we've ever seen and yet more. We can count on God who is always listening to us, always coming to us, always loving us with grace and mercy, Always opening the door, indeed knocking on the door of our hearts. We can count on God to bring justice, not just for us, but for all God's children, especially those who are poor or weak or powerless or vulnerable. We can count on God to give us what we really need somehow, some way, at some point even though we cannot see it yet. We can count on God just as surely as the sun does rise. So in the meantime, be like this widow. Keep on knocking.
0: Amen.